This is the Australian Water Association podcast series. My name's Damien Morgan. Joining me now is Wilson Shue, mechanical engineer with GHD, who's written a paper on detoxing the waterways, extracting microbeads from wastewater. Thanks for joining me, Wilson. Thanks, Damien. I think we best start in explaining to people what microbeads are. Um, yeah, so microbeads, uh, they're like these little uh, plastic beads, uh, very, very tiny. You, can't, you can barely feed them, and they're in all sorts of... Uh, uh, personal care products like facial scrubs, body scrubs, anything that really says exfoliating really, and there are thousands of them. They're in some toothpastes? Yeah, in some toothpaste too, but I think the scary thing is in your typical product, uh, in your typical sort of scrub or whatever, uh, a bottle can contain anywhere between 4,500 to 95,000 of these things. Okay, so 95,000 microbeads that are making their way into the wastewater. Basically, I mean, you you wash your face with it, you wash your body with it, it just goes right down the drain into the wastewater system. And what problems are they call, causing at the other end? Um, so the problem really is the fact that they're so tiny and they just make it through the entire treatment process and directly into our waterways. Um, and as you can imagine, like billions of tiny little plastic particles floating around in the water, um, it, it's just not good. I mean, so fish are eating them? Fish are eating them, but that's one of the uh, that, that's the thing that really inspired me. Um, you know, it's motivated me because I sort of think about the uh, transfer up the food chain, and you know, when fish eat them, bigger fish eat the tiny fish. We eat the bigger fish, and so I don't know. <laughs> so a lot of talk about plastic bags. More obvious pollutions are getting attention uh, because they can be seen, and it's often the intangible that doesn't get the attention. But you're saying these microbeads propose pose a big threat. Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, uh, they've been around since the 70s, but the use of them have really taken off since the early 2000s. Um, and it's just, you walk down any supermarket aisle nowadays and the amount of products you see with scrubs in them, um, it's just, it's amazing. It's just staggering how, how many products there are. And, you know, obviously that's based on popularity and, you know, everyone's using these things. So um, I'm not saying that the other plastic bag issue isn't a big issue. That's also a huge issue. This is just a new developing issue as well. Okay, so microbeads are bad. Um, what are you going to do to help solve the problem? Um, so I looked at some technology that was being uh, proposed for um, a sludge degrading, which is taking uh, grit sand particles out of uh, organic sludge material. And the type of work, the type of work it, the equipment is required to do is very similar to what would be required to get rid of microbeads. I mean, you're, you're talking about getting rid of mi microscopic sand particles versus microscopic plastic particles. So you really just need to adjust the, uh, this equipment and, and target the microbead. So it's a filtration type process? Or? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a bit difficult to explain. So it's a hydrocyclone, uh, which really uses um, the density of a product to separate. Um, so it separates the, uh, the polyethylene from the overall sludge carrier fluid, uh, combined with a high-frequency vibrating screen, which essentially, um, it's a unique way of dewatering uh, the things. Like when you get this uh, clump of microbeads out, it's all wet and soggy and has organic material on it. You don't want to get rid of that. So these vibrating screens shake it at such a speed um, along a sufficient distance that by the time it gets to the other end, all the organic and 
watery stuff that's all fallen in life, and you just get this um, mostly pure micro. So, where, where do you do this? Is it at treatment plants, or where do we go yeah. through the process? Yeah, so I was proposing to put these things that, uh, in the headworks of treatment plants, um, usually downstream of existing networks, just because when you're targeting something that's uh, that fine, uh, you don't want to put it right at the front where it gets clogged up by all the rags. Um, so, yeah, it's in the So headworks. it's an additional yeah. final process to remove these microbeads that aren't currently being removed. Yeah, basically, I mean, if you think about it, most of our treatment plants and all of that stuff is built you know, decades ago, before this thing even became a problem. So, uh, you know, when, we, when we're when upgrading new plant, usually we aim for aperture sizes of like three millimetres or, or something on a, on a screen, and that's considered a pretty good result usually. But considering the fact that you've got all these microscopic particles coming into wastewater nowadays, um, I think that there is definitely um, potential for a third process to be involved to really tackle all these... Um, and is it a is it a natural bolt on? How hard it would it be, practically? Yeah, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I mean, most uh, most plants are built, you know, that they're existing, they're operational. So that's the other thing you got to keep these things operational. So I don't imagine it'll be the simpler of things to do. But at the same time, I mean, I just recently did a project um, where we're upgrading a plant from 60 years ago that's completely underground. Um, you know, you're completely constrained by existing space and all of that, and we can still change out existing equipment for completely new stuff that wasn't ever designed to fit into such a space. It's, you know, it's engineering. Where's the will, the other way. And what about cost? So you're saying the technology exists, but to install? Yeah, look, yes, cost is always going to be a sticking point for a lot of these projects, but at the same time, you also got to think about the um, environmental cost of not doing anything. And secondly, um, you know, when you're targeting microscopic sized particles, this would not be the only thing that it catches out. I mean, you, grit could be a byproduct of the whole process, and a lot of treatment plants have problems with grit infiltrations throughout their entire system. So, you know, this system, obviously, I, there needs to be a bit more study done into this, but, uh, you know, when you're targeting two very similar size materials and, but uh, of different densities, you know, I, I'm guessing that you would probably catch some of it, some of the grit. And it sort of will make it a bit more economical because you solve two problems with just one piece of equipment. So, so you say the technology exists. Do you do need to do further work designing how it would install, how it would bolt onto existing infrastructure, or is it pretty much ready to go? Yeah, no, it will definitely need to be modified significantly because uh, this equipment largely originated from the mining industry. Uh, so as you can imagine, it's not really designed to handle wastewater. Recently, some companies uh, have started to modify it and bring it into the wastewater industry. And there's been quite a few plants over in the UK that actually uses modified technology. But once again, this is uh, largely you know, targeting the sort of basic uh, inlet work, so screening and degridding processes. Um, with microbeads, you're going one step further in terms of how fine the particles you're targeting. Um, but from a theoretical perspective, hydrocycles can be adjusted to target whatever you want. They, you know, they're not they're very good at targeting one specific type of material. So there's no significant blind spots. There's work to be done, but you can foresee and you could potentially scope out that work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, with engineering, anything is possible. And, you know, these equipment, it's not like it's something completely new. It's just we're taking something already used quite often in a different industry 
and trying to see how we can apply it here to solve um, a problem that we have. So I don't know, there's definitely experts in that field already who can help us in, in adjusting this equipment. So a solution exists or almost exists. The yep. question is how well understood is the problem? How, how big is, how strong is the desire to get these microbeads out of the water system? Yeah, definitely. And I definitely think that's the, uh, yeah, that, that is definitely the biggest problem, uh, whether there's any desire to actually solve this issue. And you're putting on the table that it, it should be important. You're trying to elevate that. It's something we need to prioritise. I've mentioned it before, you know, for me the motivation is, pure, is purely the way how it impacts me, which is I quite enjoy seafood and, you know, just transfer up the food chain is a, a problem that I sort of see and go, well, it's already this bad now. If the use of these products keep expanding and they become more popular, the problem's only going to get worse over time. Well, you're not the only one, Wilson. I think if you can get all the seafood lovers on board, um, there's your community. So, yeah. But it's a, uh, look, it's fascinating. I, I I suspect a great many people don't understand microbeads and the damage they're doing, so thanks for bringing it to our attention and pointing out what we can do about it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Wilson Shu from GHD, a mechanical engineer, highlighting the dangers and the potential solution to microbeads and the problems they present in wastewater. Thanks, Wilson. Thanks, Damien. This is the Australian Water Association podcast series. 